one of the kids has been into dinosaurs for at least a year and a half. And so I thought, you know, creative curriculum doesn't have you do dinosaurs because it's too far removed from their world. They need to be able to touch and handle things that in their everyday life. You know, it needs to be at home. It needs to be at preschool. We just don't see many dinosaurs around. And so I thought dinosaur bones, you know, we'll do that. And so you look at the interests of the children. What are the children interested in? Not just like what would be fun for you to teach. As mothers who need to add money to the family budget, we thought we only had two options. Get a job and put our kids in daycare or start a home daycare. But what if there was a third option, a better way that would allow you to create a consistent income and make a difference in children's lives while still staying home with your kids? I'm Joy Anderson, and this is the Preschool All-Stars Podcast, where I'm going to share exactly how myself and thousands of other moms have created successful preschools so you can do the same. Are you ready? Let's go. Before joining Preschool All-Stars, she was looking for marketing strategies for her summer program. After joining Preschool All-Stars, she not only got marketing strategies, she also filled all 12 of her summer preschool spots, started an online preschool with seven awesomely cute preschoolers, and created a website complete with links to registration pages payment, membership area. Now she has all 12 of her summer spots filled. Woo, that's amazing. And she's on the fifth, probably the sixth week now, teaching her online preschool with seven children along with her grateful parents. So tonight, she's going to speak about fossils and dinosaur bones, how to create a summer camp curriculum to die for. So everyone, please welcome Dee Ann Jones. Let me see those paddles. Woo! Before you can design your curriculum, you first need to think about a few other things like, is it online or local? What is your niche? What ages of children are you going to have? And what kind of goals and outcomes? Deborah kind of hit on this a little bit, um, but I want to talk a little bit more about it. Um, so first, let's look at your niche. I asked a question in the Preschool All-Stars group what people's niches were. And there's so many there. This is only tip of the iceberg of what there is in there. Everyone is so creative and thought of so many things. I'm just pretty excited about what everyone's doing. And um, so whatever, whatever your niche is, you can, there's something for you here. Okay. The other thing to think about is ages of children. So, you know, people have all different age ranges, I've noticed. And, you know, anywhere from like a mommy and me, you know, like infant or toddler program up to school aged, even some high school. And that's pretty fun. And but what I want to focus on right here is if you want to make a wide age range, sometimes there's a temptation to do that because then you'll be able to get um, more kids in your program, right? But that could be a problem. So I'll explain it here. Um, Vygotsky's um, zone of proximal development can help you understand the reason why not to widen your age range too much is because the middle part right here, these are the things that the child already knows how to do. And, you know, like, for example, learning colors. Oftentimes, kids already, you know, like kids learn colors around age two, um, two going on to three. And if you're trying to teach five-year-olds colors, they're going to be lost. And so they're going to be finding other things to do while you're trying to teach the two-year-olds. And then if you teach clear out here, 
this is over their head. This is stuff that's too far advanced for them. There's no way they can connect with that. They need uh, some more little steps along the way in order to completely understand how to do that. So the zone of proximal development where you do want to teach is right here where the child is able to, they're able to do it, but with some assistance. They're able to do it with some help or they're just right ready to learn that concept. And if you have too wide of an age range, you're going to have a hard time getting in everyone's zone. Now, you could be like Mary Poppins and you might be able to do it, but um, it's better to kind of narrow your focus. And another one is the goals and outcomes. I put this in here because I've noticed in the group, some people are, there's kind of two mindsets of what people are assuming parents want. So one group of parents, uh, or once I've noticed some people are assuming what one group of parents are thinking is, I just need a break. I just want someone to take my kids, entertain them so I can have a break. And that is true. During this pandemic, parents do now need a break because they have really put, um, had some hard times. And so um, that could be a focus. But other parents, you know, or other preschool teachers are making the assumption that parents want results. They don't want to just be entertained. They also want some results. They, um, you know, like we learned yesterday about tutoring. Um, some people are doing tutoring programs and they probably want their child to come out of it knowing something more than just being entertained. So look at the focus that you have. Is your focus more that I'm just going to entertain these kids um, while while the parents take a break? Or um, are you going to try and produce some results? And if you do want to do it that way, how will you do it? And, you know, you could do. So I just finished my six weeks. Um, we did insects. It was really, really fun. Those kids were so cute. And I had sent out insect um, jars for them to put insects in. And so each time we would come and meet, they each were showing me, look what I caught. Here's my really poly bug. And so we looked in each person's jars, you know, in their little bug jar to see what they got. You know, but what I did notice is some of the kids were more advanced than others. And it was, it took me by surprise. One kid says, look what I wrote. He has this whole story he wrote. He's just a four-year-old, almost five. And um, there was a just barely three-year-old who you could tell she wasn't quite as able to do the things we were doing. And so what I'm going to do this next time is I'm going to do an assessment, um, the dial I've been trained on. And so I'm going to do that with the kids beforehand, which means it's 45 minutes. I'm going to mail some stuff out to them so that they can manipulate these things as I'm, you know, playing these games with them. And then I can see what they know up front and I can zero in on that zone of proximal development again, right here with more of the kids. And so you can do both. So it doesn't need to be one camp or the other. You can try to do both, but make sure parents, if you're assuming that they just want you to entertain their kids, make sure that you don't assume wrong and the parents really wanted some results. Um, so that's kind of one thing to keep in mind. Another thing is, are you going to use a theme? And if so, how often will you change those themes? Will it be daily, weekly, monthly? Um, every six weeks is what I do. And, uh, or is it will it be one theme for the entire summer? And mine is for the entire summer also because my summer is six weeks. And then I'm just thinking it's really nice that Deborah showed us, you know, what she does. She has, is very predictable. And so this is what I was saying. If you have it predictable, you know, you always do something at the beginning they can count on. And then the middle is, you know, interesting stuff they can anticipate. And then the end is, um, you know, something that they can predict. And so like there can be a welcome song. There could be a puppet. I've seen people do puppets. You can have a warm up activity or a question of the day, something in the beginning. And then the middle stuff, 
it's only 20 minutes I have, so I'm not going to go into all the middle stuff, but I get, I'll give you some stuff in a few slides. And then at the end, what I like to do is I suggest ways they can play. I suggest ways to play after preschool's over so that they can um, continue learning that concept. And it's stuff that ties in math, alphabet, things like that, that they wouldn't even recognize um, that they're learning, but they're playing. And so parents will notice that kids are playing at a higher level of play. They're learning more as they play after preschool ends. And then, okay, so what I did, I'm first going to talk about instead of where to find curriculum ideas, first, you've got to figure out the theme. And what I did is I typed a Google search, summer camp theme ideas, and then I clicked on images. So I'm going to go there because it's already pulled up. And this is what I came up with. And so if you're thinking you're going to have a hard time coming up with a theme, don't worry. Okay, so I skip where it says ads. And I go down to this first one right here and take a look. You don't have to worry about what, how to find a theme. These themes are all over the place. Um, so don't worry about that. So you can just go and kind of browse and look through themes. And then once you've got a few ideas, write them down. And then if you can't narrow it down anymore, realize you're going to be doing this other summers. And so save some good ones for another summer. Um, and then you can start looking for the curriculum ideas. Now, first place to look is, of course, the preschool in a box, because, you know, if you have that, there's not a summer one in there, not a summer camp, but you look at the structure. How is the structure? Um, what is the predictability about it? And I use a uh, creative curriculum by teaching strategies, and it's predictable. There's a routine to it and um, how you do each of the studies. It's not themes. It's called studies for six weeks. Once you've done it a few times, you know, done a few of the, st the studies. You get the hang of it, and then you're able to go, I can create a study because I've created my own studies that weren't in the curriculum. And so then you can create one based off what you know that routine is. Then you can go to like Teachers Pay Teachers, Pinterest, Facebook curriculum groups. And I just put a picture of this one right here because that's a basic one. But whatever your niche is, there's a Facebook group for you. So, you know, there's like a Christian one. I know there's three of them just on creative curriculum that I'm part of. And, um, you know, like all, all kinds of preschool teaching ideas that are related to your niche. Um, so that's what you should do is become a, you know, a member of those groups. And then, so you can come up with ideas. Also, what I wanted to say too, is it's better to come up with the theme first, focus yourself first that way, even like with um, Deborah, a book, you know, get a book, and then everything can springboard from there. Um, rather than just browse through Pinterest and you don't even have your theme yet, don't do that. Okay. And then another thing I asked the All Stars group, what, what would you like to know about designing your online, I mean, your um, summer camp for preschool? And some people said, how do you market it so parents will value online summer camp? And so I thought, oh, Joy's already given us a model for this. And I think this is what's really cute is, um, you know how there's the benefits of the hub? I mean, of you know, the hub compared to these others. And so just kind of like a little comparison chart. And so we can do that. So um, local is live. So is online preschool with Zoom. Um, it's like circle time, like circle time. I mean, you know, uh, I mean, it is circle time. It's like a circle time. And then interactive with materials. Uh, there is oftentimes people have a package of materials that are mailed to the family or like Deborah was saying, have them on hand, you know, have the parent have them on hand. So yes, they're the same. At preschool, you find things in the preschool that begin with letter B in the house, 
you know, they can find things around the house that begin with letter B. And then um, what preschool has, the online doesn't have is free play time to extend their skills and their learning. But what we have is I suggest at the end of the online preschool ways they can extend that learning. Um, and so I'll give you a quick little example. I'm looking at my little timer. Okay, so like with grasshoppers, we were studying insects. And so in order for them to learn things like counting numbers and all of that, we're learning the um, study, but we're also learning concepts along the way. And so I put behind me, here's my numbers. Um, so what I did is I said, okay, normally when we count, we count one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. But if you're a rocket blasting off, you count 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, blast off. And so what I did is I had um, the kids scrunch down. I said, okay, let's do it. And so I said, 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, it went blast off. And so everybody jumped up. And, you know, this is kind of the springboard into learning about grasshoppers jumping. And so then um, I said, and I showed him a little grasshopper. You know, look at the grasshopper's legs. They're so big. The grasshoppers can really jump far and because of those big legs. And, you know, then I said, I wonder how far we can jump. And so I got masking tape and I got a piece of tape and I put it on the carpet. And so I can do all of these things online, just the same as, you know, we would in a circle time at preschool. And it says, okay, let's see how, how far I can jump. And so I jumped. <laughs> and then I put another piece of masking tape at the end. Wow, I wonder how far that is. And so I got my feet and I measured how many of my feet, you know, just putting them end to end. And I went, wow, I jumped three feet and a bit. <laughs> I wonder if I jump again, could I jump further? And so let's try it. And so I jumped and went, oh yeah, I jumped further. So it was like this much further. And so I said, let's see how many feet, you know? So I was measuring the feet. And so then what I do is I say, after preschool's over, if you want to try, what do you think? Can your mom jump as far as you? What about your brothers or your sisters? And so they can be doing that after preschool's over. So you are still, it's like your preschool has continued into free play. And so they're still able to do those kinds of things. So those are some things that you can do. Also restaurant, you know, I can have them set up all their play food as a restaurant and then ask to take all the orders of everyone in the house, what they would like. And with a notepad that I've mailed to them, they could write down alphabet letters they know that start with those letters that the people in the house ordered. Oh, one more thing I wanted to show is I have this on my website, um, comparing features. Okay. Live teacher teaching. Yes. Yes. Preschool friends, yes, yes. Lots of toys to take home and keep. No, you don't do that at preschool. But yes, when you have a box full of supplies mailed to you, you get to keep them. And so do you see how you can put them side by side and compare like that? You know, you could add other things. I haven't thought of this until just now. It just popped into my head. You could add things like not as likely to catch germs, you know, with, you know, online, you know, things like that. Um, you can add, there's a lot more things you can add to this. Okay, and then um, I wanted to mention, um, you make sure your things are developmentally appropriate. And Deborah was talking, I just wrote down lots of ideas from her. I'm really excited and I want to get the recording so I can write down some more because she had a lot of good ideas. But what I want to do here is explain what does that mean? Developmentally appropriate practice. So it's a big long document. It's been revised many times. I've given feedback to the document. And so I kind of know its history and everything. 
but basically what it is, it's put up by NAUIC and you ask, is it age appropriate? Is it individually appropriate? And is it culturally appropriate? And so age appropriate, I talked about the zone of proximal development and, but not everyone in the same age group are on the same level. And so if it's individually appropriate, it could be age appropriate, but individually appropriate, there's someone might, who might be at this end. And then culturally appropriate, you need to make sure that there's some, if there's not something you're teaching that a particular child of a, of a certain culture can't do because their culture forbids that or something, you just kind of need to know their culture too. So that's kind of a synopsis of what that is. So what I'm doing is my six week study is sand, rocks, fossils, and dinosaur bones. The Korea curriculum has a study on sand. And I did that last year. We had fun selling seashells by the seashore, which was really super fun. Um, they could divide, you know, um, with the seashells, they can sort them, classify them, look at characteristics. Um, there's a lot of science and math things they can do. But I decided to expand it out. One of the kids has been into dinosaurs for at least a year and a half. The last two birthday party themes that she had for her birthday party was dinosaurs. Her mom keeps thinking any day now she'll give up this dinosaur craze. And so I thought, you know, creative curriculum doesn't have you do dinosaurs because it's too far removed from their world. They need to be able to touch and handle things that in their everyday life. You know, it needs to be at home. It needs to be at preschool. Um, we just don't see many dinosaurs around. And so I thought dinosaur bones, you know, we'll do that. And so you look at the interests of the children. What are the children interested in? Not just like what would be fun for you to teach. And so that's what I came up with is rock, sand, rocks, fossils, and dinosaur bones, because it's all geology. So Anyway, this is being recorded. If you need to know more details, I'm going to go faster now because oh, I'm also going to do handwriting without tears and ABC boot camp. Um, those are fun. And then so I've broken it down by the weeks. If you want to know more, what's in it, it's discoveryplace.online. I have it listed on my website as I'm advertising this to, you know, for people to join it. It's a discoveryplace.online. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Preschool All-Stars podcast. If you want to learn more about how you can create your own successful preschool so you can stay home with your kids, create a consistent income, and make a difference in children's lives, then be sure to head over to joyanderson.com to pick up your free copy of my book, Start Your Preschool. It has over 300 pages and teaches you how to create a successful local or online preschool. The book is free. All that I ask is you help cover the cost of shipping. Again, go to joyanderson.com to get your free copy of my book. Until next time, keep serving, keep teaching, and keep growing. We'll talk to you soon.